In this episode, we're talking about how to properly deal with Chinese factories to ensure your products are produced exactly to your expectations. Inside, I'll be joined by Kara Atchison of Lone Star Technology, where Kara will share her tips and knowledge in dealing with the production process of your products. Also inside, we will talk about samples, materials, inspections, as well as the ongoing trade war between China and the United States of America. Let's go. Welcome to episode number 142 of the Private Labeler Show. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I saved you guys a seat. No matter where in the world you're listening, no matter how you're listening, I just wanted to say that I am truly grateful for each and every one of you guys. And I hope you guys are all doing well and you're absolutely crushing it in business and in life right now. So in just a moment, guys, I'm going to play an awesome conversation that I recently had with Kara Atchison of Lone Star Technology. Now, Kara essentially helps businesses navigate through the process of getting their products produced and made properly. So if you've ever sourced from China, as an example, I think most of you guys probably do, then you know firsthand, sometimes it can be challenging. It can be a little overwhelming, especially when you run into issues, whether it's communication issues or just product issues, production issues, like there's always things that come up. So essentially what Kara is gonna do, she's gonna share some tips and experiences with us that will help you guys become better at dealing with and understanding the production process so you know what to pay attention to going forward. So by the end of this podcast, I hope that you'll have a better understanding in dealing with the factories to help you essentially run a better and more profitable business. So stay tuned to the very end where I will recap a few of the key takeaways from our conversation. So before we get to the conversation, though, please make sure you leave a review on iTunes for the podcast if you have not yet done so. And if you guys could do that right now, that'd be super awesome. Maybe just hit the pause button and then just simply go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash iTunes. That's the direct link or just search it on iTunes. And again, if you've ever received any value from me in any way uh, from the podcast, then again, show your love and leave that awesome review. So without further ado, guys, let's get after it. And here is my conversation with Kara Atchison. Hey, everybody, please welcome the one and only Kara Atchison to the show. Welcome, Kara. Hi. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thanks for spending a few moments of your busy day here with us. We greatly appreciate it. So, Kara, you have a pretty interesting background. Um, would you mind sharing with the wonderful audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, it is, uh, you know, I have a strange background. In fact, most people don't believe it when I tell them. But my first job at a university was a space shuttle engineer. I was telemetry engineer on the program in Cape Canaveral, Florida, and did a lot of the launch and checkout activities. And I worked in defense industry for many years and then went into the commercial world with Texas Instruments. And that's where I learned about product development and manufacturing technologies. And so it's kind of evolved into, you know, me spending more time in Asia and uh, working with manufacturing technologies, how things are built. 
So you mentioned Texas Instruments. I just want to throw a shout out to the TI-83 graphing calculator out there. (laughs) You know, I can actually say I worked on their program. I I was on one of their um, CX Inspire, which is a wireless networked uh, uh, calculator that's more of a teaching tool. But yeah, they are a marketing machine and the experience is amazing in that team. That's where I learned about manufacturing. Okay, great. Well, hopefully, uh, maybe some of your brain power went in and helping me get through uh, geometry and trigonometry and all that stuff and all that good, all that good stuff in high school with that calculator. So I probably still have that here somewhere, by the way. I mean, that thing just holds up. So yeah, um, yeah so, it went through a lot of reliability testing. Oh, there you go. So, small world. Um, so you're, you're over in, uh, in, in Asia right now with your current company, which um, if you might, wouldn't mind just kind of describing or telling the audience a little bit about what you currently do to help businesses. Yeah, so today, um, Lone Star Technology, we help people build what they want to build. So if you've got a very customized product and you're trying to have it built in Asia, I can help people go and source from the factories. I also go out and uh, I'd call it firefighting They've got a problem at the factory and I go there and help them sort through it and figure out how they can recover from whatever is going on. You know, so I'm big into checking things and making sure that the communications are good between customers and the factories. Okay. So, so you are, you are very boots on the ground then all over, uh, all over the place in uh, what Taiwan and Shenzhen I'd imagine. And, mm-hmm. and where, where else? Yeah. And uh, I spend time in uh, Xiamen, China and and you know shanghai and i just came back from guangzhou uh, recently at a battery factory you know checking them out and helping some customers get connected to them excellent so we're gonna kind of lean on your expertise here a little bit and help the listeners um, in their businesses as they are sourcing dealing with factories uh, to get their products made their widgets made and kind of help them through that process. So hopefully by the end of our conversation here, they'll have some insights and maybe tips, ideas, strategies to kind of help out with that process because it can be a little daunting, um, especially if you're kind of new to the whole uh, world of let's say importing and whether you're selling on Amazon or you know wherever mm-hmm. you're selling your product, doesn't really matter. But um, you know, a lot of people listening, they, they kind of start their journey in finding factories on sites like Alibaba or Global Sources, things like that you know, they're going to look for whoever can help them make their widget and kind of go from there and kind of just be kind of get almost bombarded by all of the the search results there. And and what you got to do is obviously start weeding things out and and looking for different factories that you think might be a good fit to kind of start that conversation with. Um, Based on your experiences, Kara, like what are some like things that I guess business owners should consider when dealing with factories? Like what are the most important things that they should really pay attention to before they really start sending money over to that specific factory for any work. Like if you had to maybe list a, 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 you know, the most important things to consider in that relationship, what would they be? You know, uh, you, you brought up an interesting point that a lot of people start with Alibaba and to, to be truthful, I do too. I start with it. It's like a directory for me. I, if it's something that I need a batch, and I'm okay with, with some variation between purchase to purchase, then Alibaba's a great way to buy. Um, if I need precision, 
then I'd need to invest a little bit more time and go see the factory. But in the beginning, you'll notice that when you contact people in Alibaba, a lot of them are not really factories. Maybe 50% seem to be sales rep offices. That's been my experience that you start talking to them and then you ask if you can visit the factory and you find out they're really a sales office. Um, so that's just something to be aware of. Uh, you know, the sales office isn't going to know how the product is made as well as the factory will. And they're probably not going to be able to control any variances or help with customization as quickly. I'm all for buying from sales offices if it fits your need. You know, I think there's a time and place for everything. You know, for example, I'm trying to source uh, some eye pencils today. And I was talking with one, and I'm asking, are you the factory or a sales office? And she did come back and tell me we're a sales office. So I need a particular formulation of this pencil. I need a factory that can make it a certain way. So I need someone who really understands the chemistry behind that. So that's not a good option for me. I'm going to have to keep searching and I'll find something, but I kind of sort them out. So essentially in dealing with the factory, it's, I think the ability based on my experiences as well as like the ability to, you know, get things customized, but just the communication, just, you know, talking right to the source. Cause I know if I want to deal with, um, Mm-hmm. a factor and getting something done and I'm dealing right. with my rep at the factory, or whatever, they can literally go talk to like the production manager or whatever, have a meeting, talk about mm-hmm. things right there on the spot. And the communication's pretty, pretty quick. But I think when you're dealing mm-hmm. with like a third party, man, it might be days before they get back to you because they, right. you know, they have to then reach out and then hopefully try to explain things properly. And it kind of gets lost in communication, like the telephone game maybe, but <laughs> right. you know, kind of, kind of what you're <laughs> looking for. And it doesn't come back correctly, but there's that delay so yeah, I, I think in dealing with the factories directly, that's that's a huge advantage because if you want customizations, you want specifics, you know, when it comes to talking about what materials uh, you're using, I mean, I, in my opinion, yeah, it's a lot easier. But as you suggested, you just you just kind of ask them, right? Like, are you a sales office right. or are you a factory? And, and based right. on the experiences, and they'll tell you. Yeah, they'll, they'll tell, tell you. you. Yeah. If you ask. And, you know, so for this particular eye pencil, it has to be a very hard material because of the way it's going to be used. The customer had a problem. They ordered some samples. They liked the samples. Then they ordered the production quantity, and they were a little bit different, and they don't meet the standard that my customer needs for her particular usage. So I'm really having to get into the chemistry of these pencils. What is that material in there, and how can I sharpen it? How can I use it? Because it is used for a very, very specific purpose. You know, the same, I had some uh, custom bottles made for a client in Ireland. The same thing, you know, I had to be able to go to them with a drawing and I needed to understand that they know how to make bottles that are going to hold up. Um, I don't know if you've heard of exploding beer bottles happen occasionally. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know why that is, is there's not enough glass material in the bottle or they've overpressurized it when they they bottled whatever uh, beverage they put in there. And so a good factory will ask you how much pressure are you going to put on that? And they will tell you how much glass you're going to have to use when you make those bottles. So, you know, you can't get that from someone who is just reselling, you know, compared to the factory people who know how they make their product. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's really important to kind of point out that, but as you mentioned before, 
that if you just need a quick run of a product and it doesn't have to be perfect and exact every time, it's all variant on the product, then yeah, just kind of dealing with that third party office may, may be sufficient. But yeah, and there, there's some amazing salespeople out there. Like uh, I have a dear friend over there in Shenzhen who is just really on top of things. And I really, I would buy things from her because she really understands what the factories are doing. Um, I've been to other factories and I realized the salesperson really didn't belong to their team. They had just kind of found me and they were bringing me there. Mm. Um, you know, they were, they were basically pretty clueless, you know, and I started asking people, how long have you been here? And they'd say two months, one month, you know? Yeah. I think uh, that's worth noting as well. Whatever, if you are dealing with third party or directly the factory, the actual rep that you get assigned or that kind of just comes in, contact with you is, is extremely important. Based on my experiences, mm -hmm. um, I've, I've actually told certain reps, Hey, this isn't going to work between me and you. Like I mm -hmm. need, I want to deal with your company, your, your, your factory here. But you know, I, I've actually gotten on the phone with the, like the manager, you know, mm -hmm. that's running the show and just explaining, Hey, I, I need to deal with a, a, a rep that understands me, that understands my needs and is mm -hmm. attentive and you know, is going to give me the service that I, that I need for this product or these products that I, I'm going to, you know, constantly be ordering from you. And, um, yeah, in most cases that, you know, in that case, you know, specifically there was no problem with it, but I think, yeah, a lot of times it might be a good factory, but you just have a rep that's either inexperienced or maybe just not very motivated. I don't know, but, uh, I think that's just something worth mentioning to the audience out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely ask all the questions you can ask. And I think it's worth your while to understand how your products are made. So are, are there any red flags that you've come across that maybe you could tell the audience that they should really be paying attention to when at any point, really, when they're dealing with, with uh, factories, whether it be third party or this or that, but like, are there red flags where you're like, you know what, this is, this is just not good. We need to go on to the next. You know, I, I guess, you know, my stuff is a little bit different because I usually talk to a variety of factories and then I figure out which ones I'm going to go see. Um, even if you're not going to go see them, just finding out that it's possible to go see them, that it would, you would be welcome there to come meet them in person, that says a lot in itself. Okay. So in terms of just saying, Hey, are you, you going to welcome me in your, in your facility yeah. there? Can I come over and visit you? Can yeah, I come see your factory? Would that be okay? And if they come back pretty quickly and say, sure, we'd love to show you how we make our products. That's a, but, obviously a good sign then. They, yeah. They, they other want to times, you. yeah. Other times they'll come back and say, you know, you know, we're not really a factory. We are a sales office. Then, you yeah. know, you've kind of got one there that is, could be good, could not be good. You don't really know. So talking about visiting factories, um, I know that, you know, a lot of sellers, a lot of business owners, you know, at certain points they may, depending upon what they're getting made, you know, if, if they're mm -hmm. trying to build up a relationship, if they got a product that's very specific, yeah, they, they may hire somebody to kind of go boots on the ground for them, or they just might fly to, you know, China based right. on, you know, a, a trip that they have planned out or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, actually start visiting those factories. But, um, other than just asking, so you're going to ask like, hey, can I come out there? If they welcome you, that's great. But right. um, what should we be paying attention to? Because obviously, if you're going to fly to, let's say, China, let's say you're from the mm -hmm. United States, like that's a big deal, you know, to, to, to yeah. make that trek. More than likely, you're probably visiting some um, expos and, you know, different shows and things like that that are always going on. But right. if we are actually doing boots on the ground, 
um, what should we really be paying attention to when we go into these factories? You know, it's, it's, uh, it is really all over the board. You know, if you're buying products that are cheaper price, you know, you'll see some conditions that you kind of find questionable the way the materials are stored. Um, you know, the factories, some of the factories are in really poor condition. Um, you need to know that, you know, you can't expect the beautiful glistening factory unless you have really large volumes and quantities. Um, you may hire, you know, there's local services over there that fairly cheap will go over there and, you know, and help. And, and I, but I think it would even be better if you made the trip and go with that inspection service so that you can go see things for yourself, if at all possible. Um, you need someone to kind of listen in if you don't speak Mandarin. I speak uh, Mandarin, so, you know, for me, I, I'm fine. But I think if I didn't, I would really like to have someone there who could, you know, understand everything that's going on. Okay. Just so you understand your product, understand your product, because this helps you avoid risk, anything that, you know, because you don't want returns. If you have any failures, then you've got returns coming back and that's bad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you want to try and get it right the first time. I, I really put very little um, faith in, you know, guarantees, things like that, because I mean, that's nice, but your best insurance is to get it right the first time. Gotcha. And then, um, do you, we were talking before about measurable acceptance criteria. So kind of being very mm -hmm. specific with your expectations with that factory on these orders, like basically A mm -hmm. to Z start to finish. Um, can you kind of speak to that a little bit, uh, just about being very clear and how important that is because you mentioned returns mm -hmm. or just, you know, there's, there's a part yeah. that could be defect, like a little piece that could be defective that you didn't really catch or whatever. Cause you weren't specific. Right. And all of a sudden, your return rates are going through the roof and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, I have a big problem here. Mm -hmm. um, so could you kind of speak to the importance of just being very specific and very clear with what you need and what you want and kind of how that all flows and, and like that kind of dealing with the inspections and all that stuff. Yeah. So anything that you can write down that can be measured is, is great. Like for example, this pencil that I'm working on, it can be sharpened to a very sharp point and you can make, probably a dozen marks with it before it loses its sharpness. That's a test. You know, I can do that action. I can show the factory how it's done. And there needs to be a test in their, on their line somewhere where they sample some product and they do that check to make sure it passes that. It's not enough to get it written in writing. It's got to be an action that is written on a SOP, a standard operating procedure, it's going to be written in Chinese, but they can show you where they do that test. If, if you don't have that down, it's not enough to give a golden sample because samples are representative of what they have in their factory at the moment. When you place your order, they go place the order for the materials to come in. And any new material coming in the factory has a chance of varying from what you got. And so frequently, that's always, that's the big thing I always hear. I got the samples, they were great. And then I placed my order and they were different. It's like, well, yeah, because they ordered the material then. The only samples that represent your production run are the ones they do when they start production. <laughs> that's the pilot run. So 
if, you, if it's an expensive product, you're going to want to send someone there when they start production to check the first few pieces and then give the go ahead to finish it. Mm, um, that's important then. Uh, so have somebody there to, it, to verify like this does match the sample continue. Right. Yeah. You know, I hear the stories even from factories. I've got a friend of mine who has a speaker factory in Shaman and he was saying, um, you know, they send this inspector, $300 inspector who showed up at my factory as we were loading the truck. And he said, that's too late. <laughs> I'm shipping it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not fair, right? To show up the last day and, and then all of a sudden, you know, you suddenly have some criteria to put on them. That has to be really defined up front. And if you're involved throughout and you discover a mistake that you've made or the factory's made, you can figure out how to recover from that. Because there's usually a compromise in custom projects. As you're going along, there's always some little hiccup or something that someone didn't think about. That's just how it is. And so it's better to catch things earlier than to wait to the last day and say, well, I'm not happy now, you know? Yeah. I do hear those stories from time to time where they didn't, you know, maybe a seller or business owner didn't have a good inspection or it was just fumbled or whatever. And yeah, that mm -hmm. factory is like, Hey, we're moving on. Like, you know, you want us to maybe right. look at something or rework something. Yeah. That ship has sailed or, and then, That's they, right. and then it turns into an argument and it's like, you already have money committed to it. And it's like, it's a big mess. So right. I think, yeah, is what we're talking about. It's just important to be very clear, but I, I think you can try to be as clear as you can. If let's say we're just communicating to uh, a rep through Skype or, you know, just chat mm -hmm. or whatever, and you can lay out, hey, you can show them videos, you could you know, show them document, like this is what I need mm -hmm. done. But I think uh, what we're kind of talking about here, depending upon your product, of course, if right. you had boots on the ground, if you had somebody there right. that could verify and validate that all of this, that everybody's on the same page. That right. once they start production, as you mentioned, hey, the first few look good, hey, let's keep going, instead of waiting until the very end and going, uh, yeah, this was all wrong. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, it's a cost. And so you have to decide, is your product the type of product where I do need that investment of having someone checking the material as it comes in, checking the line to see how they do it, checking your packaging, you know, and uh, just every step along the way at certain points when they're ready for you, you know, to have that boots on the ground, checking it out, that's going to keep it on track a lot more than, you know, just the very end. So I'm curious, you're obviously boots on the ground. Um, in your, in your opinion, let's just say I'm just, um, I'm looking to get some widgets made. I'm just some guy, you know, just solopreneur. Mm -hmm. And I start reaching out to some factories or whatever. And they learn, Hey, this, this person that I'm talking to lives in the United States. He's sounds like he's probably going to be selling on Amazon to start out with. He's got this idea for a product or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, do they look at do they look at like, let's say a Westerner from talking to somebody in China, like, Hey, like we can we can kind of treat this person a little bit differently because they're a diamond dozen. We get tons of them reaching out to this every day. Like would they treat me differently than somebody that is really involved, does have boots on the ground is, you know, being very attentive and, and kind of showing up in person. Like, is there a difference in, in how, how we're going to be treated in terms, even like with pricing and this and that? Mm. You know, I, I think that they try and do the best they can do with everyone. Um, I don't, I don't know they treat you differently. It's just the viewpoint is different. You know, what they think is okay may not be what you think is okay. Mm. 
you know. So I don't know. They treat you differently. In fact, they do get, you know, at first they kind of see the, you know, inspector or, or you know, product manager as kind of a nuisance because they're asking questions about the incoming material. They're making sure things are labeled properly. Um, they want to know when the materials are ordered. You know, I ask that and they say, I got this, you know, you don't need to ask me that. And I'm like, well, maybe some of these parts are long lead time, you know, if, you know, so it, you, you get in there and it's a good factory likes when customers ask lots of questions because they know that they really are understanding what's going on. They're going to make good on it. Mm. It's, you know, being involved throughout the process is much better. It's, it can be annoying and you have to be, you know, respectful of certain things they have to do. You know, like I have to make an appointment at the factory. I can't just show up unannounced. Right. I, right. I need to, because they have other business and, you know, maybe my order's not that big of an order. So they have to take care of their, you know, bigger customers. And so, you know, just being respectful, right. Say, I'd like to come by what, what day you think would work. And they're usually very flexible about that. So um, I guess we can dive into like some, some of the cultural yeah. stuff then. So obviously mm. that's hugely important that everybody understands that, you know, this it's business, but yet, there's, there's cultural differences depending upon where you're coming from in the world and like how you communicate. And, you know, there's just different differences between let's say Westerners and, you know, somebody from China. So obviously that has an effect on business and, and uh, I, I kind of wanted to dive into that. So you, you've been sure. in that part of the world for quite some time now, like yeah. what are some cultural things that we need to know uh, about China, about the way business is done there to help us maybe negotiate better and just build a better relationship that way it's, you know, mutually beneficial, obviously, but um, how, how do we do business better with uh, reps in, in Asia? I think that, uh, you know, anger doesn't work here. If you have a, a, a short temper and you lose your temper and you get upset, it really doesn't work here that you need to be patient and, and, and firm with what you want, but be patient and polite. Also, um, if people are upset about something, it almost looks like they're laughing at you. They start to giggle a little bit, you know, and in an American culture, that's strange, right? If somebody starts giggling at you when you're upset about something and you're asking about a problem, mm -hmm. but it's, it's they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable and they don't, aren't able to express that so easily. So sometimes what looks like uncertainty is really just being uncomfortable. So, you have to kind of say, look, I think there's a problem here. You know, we need to talk about this. That's okay. Let's deal with it. You know, if you come in and you're saying, you know, you're demanding this and that, you're going to miss a lot of stuff that they could tell you if you're becoming in there, you know, just really strong and running over people. That's uh, in Asian culture, you know, anger is, is not a good thing. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, is there uh, some formalities that we should be aware of uh, in, in the business, I guess, culture with Asia or China that maybe Americans don't know, you know, like in terms of, you know, some cultures have like, Hey, you got to kind of build up some rapport first before we start getting to the details or mm. does, that, does that stuff not really matter in this world? 
you know, maybe it's different for me as a woman. I don't really have so much trouble with that part. You know, I don't really have to go to the dinners so much. Um, but I think, you know, the guys come over and they want to arrange the dinners and things like that. Um, I've heard some stories that you need to be careful, you know, that um, I've heard that people try and negotiate higher pricing and stuff after they've, you know, taken you out to the big dinner, a lot of alcohol. Mm. So, you know, I, I've, you know, I have a friend who's doing this kind of sourcing and, you know, he was, he was angered that they would try and do that. Um, to me, if a factory tried to do that to me, I would be gone, you know, that's it. I don't care if the price is so great. If, if that is the kind of, uh, mentality that they have there's so many other good factories out there that will treat you well so if you if someone is being you know angry or rude at you or trying to push you over there or take advantage move on to the next factory there's a lot of good ones yeah yeah um you mentioned you know negotiating pricing and things like that but right if um i'm just curious on your take on this so would how would somebody go about in your opinion getting I guess, better pricing. So obviously if I'm just some person looking on off of Alibaba, you know, they kind of list mm -hmm. some, some generalized pricing there. Everything's negotiable. I understand that. But um, what's the way to really get a fair price that might be, you know, a lower negotiated price than maybe other people are getting? Because obviously the reps, you know, they're working off of commission and they need to mm -hmm. make money. So they, they know what they want to sell you a item for or a widget or, you know, they, they have all that figured out, but how, other than just asking like, Hey, can mm. I get a better price, which doesn't always fly, but um, what are, what are some ways to kind of, you know, get that kind of preferred pricing? Is it just through pure relationship and actually showing interest and, and long-term commitment and, you know, actually putting boots on the ground there, whether it's just like hiring an agent to go out there on your behalf and like really show them that you're interested. I mean, is that, a, is that kind of how to do it? You know, it's, um, you know, it really depends on your quantities. You know, if you're not ordering a lot of material, a lot of products, then it's hard for them to offer you the best price. Um, you know, so if you've got decent quantities, understanding where that breakdown is. So that's where talking with them and seeing where is it when I order a certain amount that I can get to a certain price point, they can, you know, you can work with them that way. But I think, you know, for me, I just, I compare the sources around Alibaba. I start conversations and I get a general idea of what the price is, but I don't necessarily go with the cheapest one. Right. I go with the one that I believe understands how they make their product and they have a good price too. If they've got both of those, not the best price, but a good one. And I'm welcome to visit. I'm welcome to check everything. That would make me go and, and go check them out a little more closely. Yeah, I love I that. I gotta, love that you said gotta that. Gotta bring the quantities. Bring the quantities. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, yeah. One of the things I would mention often on my podcast here is that it's not always about who's got the lowest price because mm -hmm. I might be willing to spend a few more, you know, a few more uh, pennies per unit or whatever, um, knowing that that relationship is really good. Like I can work with this person; they understand yeah. me. And sometimes if you go, oh, I'm just going to go with the the cheapest price. Well, you're gonna you may be sacrificing something for that. Maybe. Right a rep that's not very attentive, maybe the materials aren't that, that good. And therefore that might lead to a lot of returns or, you know, poor marks and reviews, and it just could have a big snowball effect. So yeah, it's not always about who's got the cheapest. 
but I think the overall package needs to be taken into consideration. You know, you want to pay a fair mm -hmm. price, but at the same time, yeah, you want something that's easy to deal with. So if you need customizations, you need to change things like they're attentive right. to it and they're willing to work with you. And, you know, as obviously, as you mentioned with the, uh, the quantities, one of the things I always teach is just like, yeah, like even if you have, let's say no intentions of ordering, you know, 10,000 units of said widget, mm -hmm. throw it out there. They don't know. I have no idea, but like throw it out there and see what the cost per unit is, you know, and kind of compare that to right. 5,000 units and just kind of get their breakdown, like their mm -hmm. chart breakdown essentially. And then you can kind of negotiate off of that, at least get, get a clue with where they're coming from. And, um, you know, is it true also that like, sometimes if you just, you, you go for like the lowest priced factory, whatever that, you know, the materials might not be as high quality, right? Like that's another thing to consider. Yeah, they're, they're going to go back to the drawing board and figure out where they can save money. You yeah. Know? And, and, I've, and I've, <laughs> I've discovered it's not even just the materials on the product. It might be that the packaging is like, it, like it's just thinner, right. it's cheaper. Like there's right. different, you know, like they're, they're yep. scraping pennies somehow to, to come yeah. up with that cost, you know? Yeah. So you don't want to try and, um, you know, you want a fair price and you want a good price, but it's not all about price. Gotcha. Um, any other cultural tips? So let's just say I was, I was headed to China for one of the expos there and wanted to visit my factory. Obviously you said make an appointment, you know, right. get that, get that. Okay. And, um, you know, is there a ex expectation of any gift giving or red envelope stuff or like anything else that we should be aware of? You know, there, there, there really isn't. I take, uh, sometimes I take little things over, you know, you know, being in Taiwan, I'll take some sort of candy or cookies or something that's local here. Um, but it's really not expected. Um, you know, it's, it's changed a lot. It's a lot more modern now. Everything is going the way of, uh, you know, WeChat, you know, mm -hmm. they pay, pay for everything with WeChat these days, it seems like. Um, you know, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's just, they're there to, to sell you a product. And if, if they can win your business, great. And they're also kind of checking you out to see if you really have the orders because they get a lot of people out there checking the prices, but never place the orders, you know? Yeah. Tire kickers, so, you know, obviously yeah. they're inundated with so many people, let's say finding them through Alibaba and yeah, yeah they get a lot of tire kickers. I would imagine as a rep, that's gotta be annoying where you think somebody's actually going to order from you and they never do. And you spent all that time with them. And it's like that, that, that probably wears on you mentally. So mm -hmm. it's like, uh, obviously if, if you, if you're spending money consistently, yeah, you're probably going to get preferential treatment on whatever you need, you know, as far as like, Hey, you, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to look out for you and uh, offer you other suggestions to help improve your business. In fact, I was just actually talking about this maybe a few months ago on my podcast. Like um, I have a few reps that I work with out there that I've been working with maybe for a few years now, and they'll actually mm -hmm. come to me and say, Hey, um, I've been thinking about your business mm -hmm. and here's ways that I, or we can help you do more business. And we got these other yeah. product solutions that we're working on that would work great with this. You know, they're talking mm -hmm. about the materials and how it would benefit and how I can increase revenue and just right. blow away because early on, like I didn't really have that type of treatment, but I think the longer you work with them, the more they realize it's definitely beneficial that they keep you ordering mm -hmm. and ordering more, you know? So if, if you kind of really have that mindset of like building the relationship up and you kind of keep throwing those words around, but backing it up with action, mm -hmm. treating them fairly. Yeah. Good things can happen. But yeah, I was just blown away. I, I, I've had reps, a couple of them like submit like plans to me, like breakdowns. And I don't know if that's what they're being coached on by their bosses, but hmm, okay. pretty blown away by that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is really good. You know, I've, uh, 
you know, to be honest, I haven't had a lot of trouble with the factories. I went to go audit one for a customer who was having some trouble. And, you know, I found the factory owner was just not cooperative and, and it actually, you know, had a lot of bad language and stuff. And I mm. just, I told my client, I said, you need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Because there is no hope with these guys, you know? Yeah. Well, there's smoke, there's fire, right? Like if, that's right. How you, you do know? anything is how you do everything. So, um, <sighs> Yeah, I want to. Uh, we were talking briefly before we started here about. Uh, I, wanna, I, I know the listeners would probably be very interested in this subject because it does get brought up in the news from time to time. Mm. Um, I want to just talk about the quote unquote trade war um, between China and the U.S. And obviously, that has you know caught all the headlines. And it, it's if you're doing a lot of business over in China, naturally with the headlines that you see and you know the tariff increases kind of makes you wonder a little bit like am i putting all of my eggs in the in the wrong basket here or should i look at other markets emerging markets outside of china for my widgets that i get made or whatever that might be so i kind of wanted to dive into that mm -hmm. because i feel that you could be a very um valuable information source on that so china we know does a great job they've been you know mm -hmm. lots of people feel comfortable sourcing from there but it's all about the bottom line for a lot of people. And if tariffs are kind of eaten into those profits and with that mm -hmm. uncertainty, yeah, people are, are looking elsewhere. They're looking at maybe Vietnam or India, or you mentioned Taiwan before. And mm -hmm. um, like, what other, what other countries should business owners be looking at just maybe, maybe to kind of just have as a backup plan or just, you know, maybe uh, China isn't getting it done and they're getting hit too hard on tariffs. Like what, what other countries should people be looking at? You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I think a lot of uh, companies had all their eggs in the basket over in China and they knew in the back of their head that they needed to have that second source, not just because of the tariff, but it's just good business to do that, especially if you are a large company. You know, it's really good to have a second source in another country in case there's a natural disaster. And so the Trump tariffs kind of push people to take action on plans that they knew they needed to have, mm. you know? So that's what I'm seeing is that they were thinking about it already. And then they said, okay, we have to now. And in some cases, customers have asked them, do you have a second source outside of China? And if the answer is no, the customer goes on. That's another reason why people are doing it, that it's more of a, um, an emotional reaction to it than it is actually a, a cost reaction, that it's more about, do you have that second source? Okay, you're not being responsible with this and we're afraid to trust you with, you know, with buying from you these large quantities. We need to make sure you are managing your supply chain like you should. So that's the reason why, but then different countries have different skill sets. A lot of people are going to Philippines, Thailand for electronics, um, India for metals, because India has uh, natural resources much like China does. Um, you know, the Thailand, Vietnam, Philippines, they don't have the natural resources that China has. So that's going to keep them at, an, at a disadvantage. Um, for Taiwan, they're just kind of stepping back over. I'm seeing companies coming back from China, but they already had a presence here in Taiwan. So that's pretty easy for them to do that. Um, we've seen a lot of growth here in Taiwan in this past year, you know, seeing businesses start to invest. Um, 
I don't know if that will continue. Um, but it is interesting to see that it can change at any time and you should be thinking about always having a backup plan. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah. you know, some of these other, I, I, I think some of these other countries, basically what I'm hearing, you know, they're, they're probably not as far along as China, as far as their, they're not. their they're capabilities. Not. Like, I mean, just look at how easy it is for a random person to go on Alibaba to get a bunch of cool stuff made and sent. Like it's, it's pretty darn easy. Right. And, you know, they have amazing capability there and they cater to, you know, people, just random people, you know, anybody, whether it be big, small, large, mm -hmm. like it's, it's just so easy to do business with China. Right. Um, so one of the things that I would worry about is if I went to, let's say one of these other countries, you know, it, are they caught up to speed on just, just general, like customer experience, customer service dealing with, uh, you know, everything, or is it like they're more lackadaisical about orders or, you know, I, I guess that's what I would worry about. And, mm. and, and just their production capabilities is, I know you mentioned materials. It's all going to be different. Like you go to India for metals or you go to this right. country for that. So it's all going to be different. But um, I guess at the end of the day, like that's something that people got to be concerned about as well. Like how easy, how good of an experience is it going to be to go to this other country? Yeah, I might be saving a little bit of money. I might not have to pay, you know, this tariff or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's just more of a headache and it may not be worth it. So therefore they might just default back to China again. You know what I mean? You know, I could see people making that decision either way. You know, I, it just really depends if, you know, I know that Thailand is really coming up in terms of um, automotive grade equipment, cables and things like that, that are quite good quality. So I think that each of these countries probably have a strength to offer that, you know, that is going to really come along and, you know, I have friends in the sourcing business as well, and they've what they've done is started investing their time into these other areas so that they're ready. Because, you know, China wasn't always the place where everything was made. Things can change again. It'll be a long time before it does, but, you know, it wasn't that long ago and we were all making everything in Japan and then Taiwan and now China. Um, who's to say that it won't change again? Yeah, it's all interesting. I mean, I, I've, yeah. I've kind of like, haven't paid too much attention, but the last that I heard, there was some news and this is all, I think, political posturing between the two countries, but right. <laughs> I heard, you know, it's just, it's a lot of, it's propaganda. I don't know. It's just, yeah. who knows? Emotional. But yeah, Emotional. they're just throwing things out there, but I did <laughs> yeah. hear that supposedly there was some new phase, like a phase to the agreement between the two countries. And they said, Hey, if everything goes well, that both countries agreed again, it's all verbal at this point to mm -hmm. rescind and pull back any increased tariffs that they threw on like the past year. So yeah, it's, you know, I judge based off of actions, not necessarily words because that could all change in a moment's notice. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, and then there's the other thing to think about too. It's like, if I'm China, you know, China has a hundred year plan and right. the United States <laughs> has a four year plan for every election. <laughs> exactly. Cycle. My, yeah. in my opinion, China's probably just looking to wait everything out and maybe the, you know, there's a different president and everything kind of goes away and back to normal. Who knows? But um, right. it's just very interesting regardless. And I think, I don't think anybody can properly predict kind of what's going to happen, but I know there are people feeling a little bit of a pinch depending upon their products and materials that they're using based on the tariffs that have been kind of thrown down. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to dive into that. And I yeah, think, and I, I think check it out, do, you know, I think it's, it's worth doing if you have a good volume business that you should be looking at second sources in different countries that, there could be a tsunami like we had in Japan, you know, there was the, 
right you yeah. know that that really set us back like a year in terms of sourcing some electronic parts um because they were you know single source factories over there so you know anything could happen and it's always good to have a backup plan that was that was the rule even before china was the big uh, manufacturing place to be but yeah they're talented you know i i think there's always you know i think there will always be a lot of opportunity to to have things made there um but i don't think that stops you from looking at other things as well gotcha so um I want to talk just briefly about about the services that your company offers um, and how it kind of ties in everything. So you're very boots on the ground. You're dealing with like inspections and kind of just mm-hmm. dealing with the factories directly, um, helping, I guess, businesses get exactly what they want. Um, you know, if they're yeah. looking to get products made, they're whatever that product is, uh, they can go to you and you can help them or at least guide them in on kind of what they're supposed to be doing. So can you just let us know a little bit more about your company? Sure. You know, my customers are, they have one thing in common. They had a quality problem that, that caused them, you know, to lose some major business. You know, I've got a new one now that lost a year of their schedule because of a a decision that was made, you know, based on, on bad information that's my customers have this in common. They've been through something like this and they realize that they need to invest a little bit in order to have something stable that they can count on that will work with the rest of the products that they have. Um, And so what I do, it it really depends on the client. If it's a small uh, amount of business, if it's not something they want to really invest a lot in, I will go and you know, offer a package to go and inspect with them. You know, if they'd like to go to the factory, I'll show them how to, how to check it out. Kind of an educational package. Um, if, if they don't want to do that, because of course people are very busy, they have other things they need to do. Um, I will go and inspect at different times. So I offer a flat rate on that. Other times, if, if it's a big project and I need to pull from multiple suppliers to bring it together, to bring the whole project together, they'll pay like a management fee, you know, and, and with that, they get access to all the pricing. Um, and it's, it's almost like a short term consultant fee where they don't have to add headcount, but they get somebody on the ground for that duration of the project. And so if it's not me, it's one of my, uh, one of my employees will go out there and we work very closely together and, um, you know, look for the key things that every factory should have. If they don't have it and it's important, we negotiate to get it in place. Um, you know, just knowing what your risk is. It's all about managing risk. Gotcha. Um, what's the, uh, the, the site that people can find you and or your company at? Like, where would you direct them? You know, I think, you know, I find a lot of, of uh, friends out there on LinkedIn. That is really big for me. Okay. Um, and I really enjoy the networking. I love product development and hearing what other people are doing out there in the industry. Um, my website, though, you can come out to www.lonestartech.tw and come find us as well. But if, okay. but if you look for the, uh, you know, Kara Atchison out on LinkedIn, you'll find me. And I really enjoy talking with people and, you know, I'm glad to have a call and just see if there's some match, you know, I talk to people and share information and 
wish them well. Sometimes they need something else. Sometimes it's just having a conversation. That's perfectly fine too. So I will I'll definitely link that up in the show notes, everybody, in case you're, you're driving yeah. or what have you. But Kara, are you going to be at any like um, events in, in Asia or anything like that? I know there's always events going on with importing, importing and this and that, Amazon stuff. And do you ever make your round uh, to any of those events and kind of uh, maybe do speaking or just, just general networking? Mm. I just came back from, uh, I don't know if you know, Michael Michelini, who has the Global From Asia organization. I'm not familiar. He has a really great group that's called the Cross-Border Summit. It's an event they have every year. And I went over and joined that in Guangzhou, China, and then did some touring of the uh, Canton Fair. Uh, So, you know, I would go out and see different things. But, you know, I think most of the time I'm really just kind of focused on the customer things. And if I see something that's interesting, then, yeah, I'll come over and meet up with friends and, you know, do some speaking or just learning, learning from other people. Networking is always good. Gotcha. Um, before we part ways here, Kara, do you have any last words of wisdom, any other tips or anything that maybe we didn't get to that would help the listeners on their journey in kind of building that relationship up with the factory, just different things that they need to look for, mm. pay attention to, just to make sure that whatever it is that they're getting produced obviously gets produced to their expectations so that way their customers are happy and everybody's happy. Yeah, I think words of wisdom, I'd say be patient, ask lots of questions. Factories like to share what they've been doing and you know, just be patient and, and keep asking, understand how your products are made. That's okay. A lot of people think that they're intruding by asking questions, but actually to a factory, they like to see that because they know the customer is is involved and they're probably going to pay their bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's important. Everybody wants to get paid for their time, right? Right. Of course. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Kara, thank you so much for spending a few moments out of your busy day here with us, sharing your knowledge on um, all things dealing with factories and things like that. I know that the listeners really enjoyed this. And again, I, I just want to thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time. You know, thank you, Nick, and you're doing some great work out there. I was listening to your podcast today, and uh, your your information is right on the money. Really good stuff that you're doing out there. Oh, wow. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It means a lot, actually. Okay, so we will talk to you later. Guys, uh, again, check out the show notes uh, if you want to get in, t- in contact with Kara about anything business or just follow up with her network, whatever it may be. Check the show notes to the episode and visit her website. And uh, with that, that about does it. I appreciate it, Kara. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kara. I greatly appreciate everything. All the information and the knowledge and the experiences that you kind of shared with everybody. Um, Thank you again. Again, greatly appreciate all that. Now, guys, while there are lots of potential takeaways from that conversation, I wanted to highlight three of them that stuck out with me that I want to go over here with you guys. So the first takeaway that I wanted to share here is that uh, Kara recommends that you work directly with the actual factory and not some third-party sales office. So not to say there's anything wrong with working with third-party sales office. If that's what's working for you and that's getting the job done, then hey, great. But a lot of times things are a little bit easier, smoother, and quicker when you deal directly 
with the factory. So from my own experiences, this has worked wonders uh, for some of the products that I get made. If I need changes to things or if I bring up issues or what have you, I can get information quickly. I can have that rep talk to whoever they need to talk to directly on the floor of that factory and things happen faster. Okay. And a lot of times too, when you're dealing with directly with the factory, the rep that you have, they're generally going to be pretty knowledgeable in the production process, the materials and all things related. So they become sort of an expert on what, uh, what you're making and they can offer you a lot of insight and it's just generally a lot smoother. So Again, not to say that, you know, if you're currently working with a third-party sales office that you just got to flip and go right to a factory or whatever that might be. If you're having uh, good results with that third party, then by all means, continue along with that. But I would just prefer, and I agree with Kara, that working directly with a factory overall offers some additional benefits that uh, you may be interested in. So just consider that. Now, the second takeaway, this kind of piggybacks off of the first takeaway, sort of. Um, it's kind of advised that you work with a factory and or a rep that is open to lots of communication with you that, you know, they're, they're going to be willing to provide you lots of updates throughout the entire production process, sending you videos, pictures, uh, essentially becoming like a, like a, a very avid supporter of your business. They're really out there helping you along the way. You don't really want to get stuck with a factory or rep that kind of keeps you in the dark on a lot of things, doesn't update you on anything going on. Because when that happens, you're kind of just crossing your fingers and trusting that everything is being completed to your expectations. And then unfortunately, if something comes up at the very end and they already completed all the work, you know, it's going to be kind of a head scratcher into actually getting that factory to help you out further to fix or correct the problem. So my advice and a takeaway, again, is work with a factory that is just really open to a partnership with you. And uh, again, you should be getting constant updates. And if you're dealing with maybe a, a rep that doesn't necessarily do that, but the factory is good, maybe ask for a, a different rep that can uh, be a little bit better of service to you. And this all depends on the product or the amount of money that you're investing into this product. But if you're ever going to, um, let's say, head to China for one of the expos going on, there's always expos, always um, people going over to China to you know, visit the, the different fairs and things like that. Maybe make it a point to ask that factory that you are considering working with or multiple different factories if it's okay if you actually stop by and make a visit. And if they're okay and they're open to that and they're going to allow you to come in there and obviously invest a little bit of time, that's a good sign because that shows that they want to work with you, they want your business, and they're willing to invest that time to kind of walk you around and show things off to you as you uh, tour their facilities. So that's something you might want to consider. And again, you know, if if uh, you're just kind of getting new to all this, I don't recommend that you fly over to China, you know, just to just to kind of get your feet wet. But as you kind of grow in production and grow with your needs and the amount of money you're spending, yeah, I'd highly recommend that, you know, maybe if you can't get over to visit some of these factories that you possibly um, pay somebody or hire somebody on your behalf to kind of represent um, you and your business over there. Again, just to create that partnership so you know exactly where you're investing your money and you can kind of build that that trust with the factory over time. So that way, when um, you have orders that they're done correctly to your expectations and everybody's on the same page. So that was just kind of a big overall takeaway that I wanted to share with you guys there. So the third and final takeaway that I had kind of has to do with the Trump versus China, let's just call it trade war, whatever you want to call it. Um, Kara kind of recommended having 
some backup plans or some alternatives to China, not necessarily putting all of your eggs in the China basket for all of your production needs. So maybe consider other countries out there like India, Vietnam, Thailand, where have you, um, just kind of have it in your back pocket just in case. So, you know, if things get a little crazier with this back and forth between China and the U.S. in the near future, which that could very well happen, um, at least you'd have some other ideas of some other places where you can get your uh, products produced and made. So wanted to kind of throw that out there. I know a lot of you guys over the past year plus or what have you have been really concerned about this um, this trade war, this, uh, this, these tariff increases. I know that's been affecting some people's businesses and it's really kind of, um, kind of forced a lot of businesses, as Kara said, to start looking elsewhere just in case to have that second source outside of China. So I thought that that was worth mentioning. Great takeaways there, really important in our business here. So that about does it, everybody. I hope you found all of this information very valuable and useful in your businesses. So get out there, go make it happen. And uh, guys, if you haven't yet left a review for iTunes, please do so. Again, go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash iTunes. Leave that awesome review. And also check out Kara's business and her LinkedIn profile. Check out the show notes. So I will leave you guys with that. Thank you for listening until the very end. You are awesome. Go out there, make it happen, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. This episode of The Private Labeler Show has ended. Please show your support for the podcast by subscribing for more business strategies and tactics to help you build your empire. Also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.